is everyone this morning? A couple of answers. That's good. Um, this morning, uh, so give you a little bit of, of insight um, into the prep stuff. So I, I was looking through this passage this morning. I'm like, this is a this is a cool story, but I'm not sure that it's a it's a sermon. Like this guy does something nice for someone. All right, that's that. Uh, but the more I, I look at it, I, I've come to this conclusion um, that I think kindness um, has, uh, like, in in our minds, has, has been lessened as a, a biblical value. Um, because, like, for for instance, um, my kids' school, uh, where my kids went to elementary school, they had these, these five little sayings, I think it's five, be peaceful, be respectful, be kind, be safe, be cooperative. And, and every morning they say these, these things, you know, let's, and, and so kind. And then we were, a couple weeks ago when we were painting the, the, the squares at the elementary school in, uh, in Hazelwood, I went in to go to the bathroom and, and they've got similar statements and one of them is be kind. And so I asked, Kelly this morning at her school, do they, do you guys have those? And is kind one of them? Yeah, be kind is one of them. And then I think about, like, we're taught by our parents to be kind. And I think that's, those are all really good things. And that's all, that's, it's great to, to do that. But I think it can, it can lessen our idea and our understanding and, and our immediate mental response to what it means to be kind. But, but to be kind is, is, is really a supernatural event. What, what your kindness can do to someone is a supernatural event. It's as simple as holding the door for someone, letting someone over in traffic. And, and that's why I think we, we, we lessen the biblical value of kindness because, you know, you're just, you know, big deal. Holding the door for someone costs you, what, a second and a half? Um, and a, a smile and a nod or or letting someone over in traffic um, is, is not that big a deal. But I believe, and, and I, Scripture teaches it, that kindness is, is way more than just a, a simple, subtle act that is forgotten by you and maybe even by the person that you were kind to. But kindness is a, is a big deal. And, and today we're going to look in a story in Second Samuel, where David was kind to someone. And throughout this, this series of life in chaos, we've seen David mostly having a chaotic life, but sometimes a life in chaos just means that you've got good days and you've got bad days. You've got good days and you've got bad days. This is a good day for David. Last week, we talked about David and Bathsheba, a series of really bad days where David did some really bad things. Um, but here, in this passage, he does some good stuff. Um, so life and chaos can, can have that sort of uh, roller coaster effect. So I want to read one, one verse in 2 Samuel 4, and then most of the time we'll spend this morning is in 2 Samuel 9. An introduction to a, to a character in Scripture that doesn't do much. There's not much that he, he does in Scripture, but um, this, this one event. Uh, remember that, that Jonathan and David were really close friends, and they had a covenant with one another to protect and provide for one another and one another's families, and, and they were... Uh, they were really, really close friends, and Jonathan had died recently just before this, uh, this story and, and what we see here. So Second Samuel 4, 4, we're going to meet Mephibosheth for the first time. And 
I'm just going to apologize right now. I'm going to butcher Meshibbeth's name. I just did right there uh, all day. So please allow me a little latitude to uh, butcher this guy's name. And thank God that you're not up here trying to pronounce his name. Mephibosheth. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. That news is that uh, Jonathan and and Saul had both died in battle. Um, Remember, we, in our first, uh, so we did Life in Chaos and then took a break and then back in Life in Chaos. So the first Life in Chaos, we talked about the story where we were lamenting, where Jonathan, or David was lamenting the death of Saul and Jonathan. That is the event that the news is talking about here. Uh, And his nurse, um, biblical language, think nanny, um, Jonathan's nanny, Jonathan's nurse, took him up and fled. Because, a, a little history lesson, when a king dies, the king's family is in grave danger. Um, the likelihood is the people that killed the king are going to go and, probab- and try to eradicate the entire person's family, try to eradicate everyone's potential claim on the throne for that nation, right? So, Jonathan, our Meshavifest, M's, we'll just call him M, how about that? Good? All right. M's, uh, M's nanny, M's nurse decided, let's get him out of town, let's hide him, let's get rid of him, let, let's, let's, let's run away so that the people that just killed Jonathan and Saul don't try to kill him. So she fled, and in her haste, he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. If I look at it and read it, I can do it. Mephibosheth, all right? He was, fell lame. His, his, his feet became paralyzed forever, for all of his life. So, in other words, like, oh my gosh, we got to get out of town. Someone's coming to try to kill you. Let's get out of here. And in their haste, an accident happened that left him where he could not walk. So let's go back over to Second Samuel 9, where we see this story of David's kindness to Mephibosheth. And David said, Is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? I want you to see that, a very subtle point here, that, that the, um, the kindness that David showed to Mephibosheth is only based on who his dad was. That's, a, that's an important thing to note. Verse 2, Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still the son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. Then king David sent and brought him to the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. I want you to look really closely. We'll talk about this in a second later, but I want you to look really closely at the punctuation behind there. David is super excited to see Mephibosheth. Think about a reunion that, you see, that you've seen. Um, Rebecca was gone for seven months in the Dominican Republic, and my daughter Hannah Grace loves 
Rebecca very, very much. And they have this wonderful discipleship relationship that everyone should pay attention to. It's incredible. It's great. We should all be in such relationships. Um, Rebecca came home from the Dominican Republic, when was it, three weeks ago, something like that? Um, We went to meet her at the airport, and they took off running towards one another. It was an incredible thing to watch them. They embraced for several minutes, like, all right, that's enough. Other people want to say hello to her. But that image was, was profoundly driven into my mind. And this is the image that I have here when Mephibosheth comes to David and he falls on his face. His response is to fall on his face. David's response is, I want to show kindness to you. And as we go on, we'll see what that kindness did and how it changed him. Uh, the end of verse 6. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. Again, it's not who you are, it's who your dad is. That's the reason I want to show you kindness. And I will restore you, sore to you, all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? A lot of the times when we encounter the kindness of our God, our response is to see our own shame and see our own inadequacies. And the kindness of God overcomes that. Verse 9. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and all to his house I have given to your master's grandson, and you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will always eat at my table. See that and see that. We'll talk about the detail of that later. But you will always, Mephibosheth, you will always eat at my table. Now Ziba, after 15 sons and 20 servants, had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. This is a great kind act. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem for he always ate at the king's ha- table. And it's interesting, the, the final words here in the story are, now he was lame in his feet. Humility is important here. Um, I, I read that story, and I, sh- and I, I highlighted that story, and we'll, we'll come back to some of the details of that story. But what I want to flash in big, bright, flashing lights is the kindness of David towards Mephibosheth. Um, because um, kindness changes us. One of, one of the greatest stories that's ever been told, ever been written, is, is uh, Les Miserables. You, have, you guys, probably most of you have heard of it, know the story, maybe seen one of the movies that have been out in recent days, or recent years. Um, I want to show you a clip from the, the, the most recent of the movie. Uh, I, I apologize, this is, uh, um, this is a musical, and musicals are ridiculous. Um, Apologize if you love musicals. You're fine. Whatever. That was an unkind thing for me to have said to you. <laughs> um, 
But uh, what I want to highlight is, is the kindness that one person shows to another changes a person for the rest of their life. Um, so watch, watch this clip, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Hey! Come and suffer, you are weary. And the night is cold out here. Though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share. There is wine here to revive you. There is bread to make you strong. There's a bed to rest till morning. Rest from pain and rest from wrong. Bless the food we eat today. Bless our dear sister and our honored guest. We have your silver. We caught this man red-handed. Get the nerve to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot. I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? Monsieur, release him. This man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty. Now God's blessing go with you. But remember this, my brother. Seeing this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become... An honest man. If you know the, that story, um, he goes on and does incredible kind things for the rest of his life and, and saves the life of, of many. And, it, and it, it stems from one kind act um, sent to him. And that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful picture of us and, and the gospel and, and Christ and, and the kind act that he did and brought to us so that we could interact with his kindness and see his beauty and see his grace, see his tenderness and mercy, all packaged in a, in a, in a kind act. And that motivates us to be changed. Um, one thing I saw this week, I started thinking and, 
and looking at, at the idea of, of biblical kindness and realized that um, Paul talks a lot of, uh, in his scripture, in, in his writings about kindness. And every single one of them, if you look deeply, if you look closely at it, it's talking about the, this spiritual act of kindness. And it's, it's almost supernatural. So I want to talk for a minute from three passages from Paul about the heart of kindness and the, this idea that the heart of kindness is really that kindness is soul-changing. And that's why at the, at the beginning, I talked about schools, I talked about holding doors for people, and I talked about letting people into traffic, and we trivialize kindness. But at the heart of kindness, at, at its core, that if it's, if it's real and, and we're, we're deeply caring and nurturing about people in such a way that we want to act kindly to them, it is soul-changing. Um, and it's, you know, I, I, even, even in my brain as, as I say that, it's hard to, to relate holding the door for someone to possibly be soul-changing for that person. Um, but I think... Well, let's just look at what Paul has to say about kindness and God's kindness. Romans 2.4, the second half of Romans 2.4 says, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. You may have heard that phrase before, God's kindness brings repentance. Um, but I want to, I've spent a lot of time in, in my life, especially here at this, this church, talking about this idea of repentance. And repentance at its core, at foundationally, the, the word means a, a, an essence change of your brain, your mind, the way you think. So there is to the concept of repentance is something that you are not in and of yourself fully capable of. You need a supernatural act of God's grace to interact with you so that the way that you think is changed literally changed. Like your worldview has changed. The way that you, you see yourself and your sin and the things that you do is changed. That's repentance. God's kindness towards you brings that. Do you see how a simple act of kindness is soul-changing? Um, more, than, more than that, we are, are sent by God. Let me read this passage to you. First, or 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. In, in our age, in our world, in our society, where there's so much red state, blue state, Republican, Democrat, the, the hard difficulty of, of race in our culture and in our society, there's so much that needs to be reconciled. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, and I believe one of the simplest and easiest and, and quickest things for us to do is to be kind everywhere because God has given us this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 of 2 Corinthians 5. That is, in Christ Jesus... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting them to the message, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Do you realize God intends for this world to be reconciled to one another and to God? And the path that he's chosen to do that, to accomplish that, is through you. 
Verse 20 is the payoff for what I want to say here. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. You are an ambassador for Christ. In other words, you are the one holding a sign saying, Jesus is the answer. Your life is that. And if we tie that into what Paul has to say about kindness of God's kindness leading us to repentance, the, uh, probably the greatest mission that you can ever do is to go and be God's kindness to people. Helping people get out of something that they can't get out of on their own. That have engaging, look, think about God's kindness to, to us that he showed to us through his son Christ. We were in a predicament that we could not get out of on our own. And God entered into that with his son Jesus Christ to bring us out of that. It's God's kindness, a, a, a massive act of kindness leads us to simple acts of kindness. Um, it's so very important. So the next time you get a chance to hold the door for someone, think about Christ. Think about the kindness of God being soul-changing. Think about the fact that you are an ambassador for Christ. The second verse that I want to point us to, the heart of kindness is Kindness is soul-changing. Ephesians 2, 7, Paul writes this, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See this. Kindness is a natural flow of a life filled with grace. Jesus was filled with grace because that's who he is, and the manifestation of that being filled with grace was that he showed kindness to this world. If we really understand grace, kindness has to flow from us. If you find yourself grumpy all the time, angry, not kind, unkind, rude, let's spend a little bit of time in those times, in those moments, in those seasons that we all experience. I'm not pointing a finger at you if you're that way a lot. That's us. We're always, we go through, this is our life in chaos. We're grumpy, we're kind, we're we're rude, we're kind. We we jump back and forth. But when we see see ourselves in seasons or moments or, or time periods of grumpy rudeness, we probably aren't really understanding what grace is. Ephesians 2, 7 says to us, He might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness. So the idea is kindness shows up when the measurable riches of grace are in us. Kindness shows up. If we're not kind, we probably don't really understand grace. And if we really understand grace, we're probably going to be really kind. And, like, I, I, I can't, sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, we're really kind to people that we like. But what was Christ's kindness? We were enemies, rebellious, shameful. His kindness changed us. The last statement that Paul makes about kindness is in Colossians 3.12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, 
holy and beloved. Okay, you are God's chosen one. You are holy and beloved. I want to parenthetically state this. You are God's chosen one, holy and beloved. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you are not holy or you are not beloved. You are. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, kindness. Um, I read this week from Matthew Henry this phrase, put on then, and the thought that Paul is intending to communicate in Colossians 3 is this, let me say this, a qualitative change of identity that has already occurred in the lives of believers. A qualitative change in identity. So for us, to put on kindness is to understand with fullness of mind that God has changed us in such a way that we can be His kindness. If you believe it, and, and, and I, you're, you're here and you've, been, you've heard the teaching of, of Dave and I for years, it, that, that we are holy and beloved. We have a perfect relationship with God because of what Christ has done. Because of that, we know and experience and feel and are fully aware of our own identity in Christ, that He sees us as sons. Because of that fact, the kindness of Christ that he brought to this earth is, is possible to flow from you. I need you to hear that. The kindness that Christ brought to this planet, by virtue of the truth of Colossians 3.12, is possible to flow from you. Be kind. It's the heart of the gospel. As we push deeper into the fabric of who God has created us to be, this qualitative change of identity, we understand the gospel and it comes out of us. We live in the gospel in our world, in our jobs. Every, every place that God has placed you, you are an ambassador for Christ. Every place that God has placed you, you are an ambassador with Christ. And here is your marching order. Be kind. Even and especially to people who probably don't deserve it. Because that's Christ's kindness to you. You absolutely did not deserve it. I want to close going back to our story of David and Mephibosheth. I want to make some statements to you. And these statements are in your bulletin as well. Um, Jesus is the true and better David. Mephibosheth should have been an enemy to David, but David showed him kindness. We should be an enemy of God if not for his kindness. Okay, historical reference here. He should have been an enemy to David because... He had a claim to the throne. Whenever there was a regime change, the new king had to go and kill all of the old king's family so that they could not, at some point in the future, claim the throne and try and usurp the throne. So the rules were, if you became king, you killed everybody in that family so that that line had no claim to the throne any longer. 
Mephibosheth should have been an enemy of David. But what did David do? Remember? He sent his people up. Can you find someone in Saul's house that I can be kind to? What, what does that look like for us? Can you, can you help me find an enemy of mine that I might be able to be kind to? That is so counterproductive or counterculture to our brains. Can I find an enemy of mine that I can be kind to? The second thing, Mephibosheth has no hope apart from David. We have no hope apart from Christ. But for the kindness of Christ, we have no hope. Mephibosheth did not earn David's kindness. We cannot earn God's kindness. Do you see that there's Mephibosheth was just minding his own business, living his life hard, probably because he was a refugee and crippled. You guys are watching the Olympics, right? You've probably heard the story of the, uh, of the refugee girl who swam for three and a half hours pulling a boat of 20 other refugees who couldn't swim. You guys have probably seen that story. If not, check it out. Look it up. It's really cool. Um, this is the life of Mephibosheth apart from David. But David entered in, showed him kindness, and changed his world. Verse next, the fourth one. Mephibosheth is crippled and lame. We are crippled and lame, and Scripture even says that we're dead before the kindness of Christ. Um, the fifth one, David delighted in Mephibosheth. God delights in you, even, even when you feel shame. I want to read verses 6 and 7 to you and, and, and see this explode. I hope it does. And Mephibosheth, the son of David, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his faith and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, remember Rebecca and Hannah Grace running towards one another, excited to, to see each other. And David said, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I am going to show you kindness for the sake of your father. So many times when we engage the kindness of God, we see our own inadequacies. We see our own shame. We are filled with shame. But hear me, please. There is no shame anymore. Christ has sent it away. It's finished. Your sin does not bring shame to you. Your sin does not bring shame to you. God has put it away. And we see in this picture the same thing. Mephibosheth's position as an heir to the throne should have made him an enemy of God, of David. Instead, it made him a receiver of the kindness of David. That's beautiful. That's a picture of what God wants to do to you. Even if you know your shame, it is that shame that makes you a friend of God. Why should we ever be shameful of our shame? It's incredible. 
verse 7, again, tells us this. David restored Mephibosheth. Christ restores us. Look at what he says at the end of verse 7. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Kindness brings restoration. This is what David did to Mephibosheth, and it's a picture of what Christ has done to us. Two more things. Mephibosheth saw himself as a dead dog. David saw him as the son of Jonathan. You can see yourself as a sinner, a dead dog, or you can see yourself as a child of God. You're you're a child of God. The last thing, the thing I want to leave you with, verse 13. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. And that's really important because that's the Old Testament picture of of where God dwelled. Mephibosheth dwelled where God dwelled. Not just that. He always ate at the king's table. The kindness of David allowed Mephibosheth to always eat at the king's table. The kindness of Christ allows us to always eat at the king's table. There's never, ever going to be a time for the believer in Christ that they are not welcome to come and enjoy all that God has and all that God is. And that becomes our marching order for kindness. What it means to be an ambassador is that. And then the conclusion is beautiful. Now he was lame in both his feet. Why do we end there? Hey, kindness is great. You're welcome at the king's table. You've been restored. All these wonderful things. Now... He was lame in both his feet. On to the next story. I think what I see is the point is that it brings us to a complete and utter awareness of our complete and utter dependence upon God. Everything that you are that is of any value, any kindness that you are able to show to this world, to another human being, any soul-changing kindness that you are able to show is there in you and able to come out because of the grace of God. We are absolutely, 100%, fully dependent upon Him always. That's the point of we are, now He was lame in both His feet. You are lame in both your feet. Your pastor just called you lame, I'm sorry. But so am I. But the point, it brings us to a place of complete and utter dependence. And it's there that God's grace shows up. And it's when God's grace shows up that kindness begins to flow from us. Let's, uh, let's pray and respond to our God. God, you are beautiful and I'm so grateful that you have given your son Jesus to us. 
and showed us this immeasurable kindness, this beautiful and incredible, wonderful kindness. And God, I pray that we would so engage with the beauty of that kindness and the depth and the extent of that kindness that we would go into our world and show that kindness. God, put us in touch with your grace. Put us in touch with our own crippled and lame selves. And God, allow us to go and be kind in our worlds as you've been kind to us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. So as we respond to the Lord, this is kind of the the way I want to set it up for us. Um, We're going to sing and just celebrate the kindness of God. I think in the midst of that, one of the things that I was just wrestling with as Rick was just, the Spirit was just probing my heart through him was, as you see the kindness of God so easy, it's so easy to, for your unkindness to be exposed, for me to begin to think about my week and begin to think about, gosh, I was so unkind here, didn't treat this person right here, and I just begin to see those things, and then shame just begins to come over, the exact opposite of what Rick just said. But even as we celebrate the kindness of God, and we bask in the gospel, and we respond through song, and through giving, and through the Lord's table, and through prayer, here's the thing. Those moments in our lives where we see areas of unkindness are the Spirit waving a flag, saying, this is where the gospel hasn't changed you. This is where I want to change your heart. This is where I want to do a work to continually push the gospel deeper into your life, that you'd continually to grow in kindness, which is an invitation to transformation, not a beating down. It's, it's Jesus saying, come on, I got more for you. Enter into my kindness. It's there where more kindness will flow out of who you are. And let's celebrate the kindness of God as we respond to the Lord.